Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. If you got your Bibles, who has a Bible? Hold it up. Let me see. Let me see. Come on, hold them things up. Ooh, I like that. I like big Bibles and I cannot lie. Some of y'all holding up phones. Put them things down. What you going to do with that? Can't cast out a demon with an iPhone. What you going to do? In the name of Jesus, I wait, let me go get a charger. My battery died. See, that don't work. You need a Bible. All right. Anywho, let's get in there. I'm kidding. You can use your I- You can use iPhones, Androids. We're adamantly against at this church. I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. You can use phones. If you have your phone and you don't have a Bible, the verses will come up there. But we also got the Cool Church app. There's thousands of people on uh, on it. And all the notes that I'm preaching from are actually be in the app. What's up, online family, man? We love y'all. 47 different countries, man. People representing all over the world. We love you. You are a part of building this house, too. And the church said, y'all with me? All right, good, good. Don't, don't, don't let your boy be up here by himself, man. If you like something, say holla at your boy. Say amen. Say that's good. Say preacher baldy. Just say something. Amen? <laughs> As a matter of fact, on the count of three, let's see where y'all at today. Say one of those back at me. One, two, three. Yeah, see? Y'all some haters in this service. Okay. I love it. Let's go. Haggai chapter two. Verse 9, say, where's Haggai? It's literally like in the middle of your Bible. If you got to the Old Testament, you went, excuse me, to the New Testament, you went too far, flip back a couple books, and you'll end up at Haggai. Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, we're going to read it together, and it reads something like this. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And the church said, that's a good, listen, man, if if that don't get you saying amen, I don't know what will. I'm going to read it again. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord God Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And the church said, how many of y'all need some peace in your life? means you got to go where the glory is, and we're going to talk about that today. So if you're taking notes, I've entitled this message this, Greater Glory, Greater Glory. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day once again. It's the day that you were made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. God, I pray that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every human that was going to be in this place today and watching online. God, I pray for hearts, minds, and ears. Let them be open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus. God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, they'll hear a message about generosity, but I pray that they also hear a message about Jesus and know that there is a God out there that was so generous, he was willing to give his one and only son for all of us. And because you were generous, God, we can be generous today. God, we love you. We pray you reveal yourself in a new way. Somebody that was lost, God, may they be found. Somebody that is far, may they come home. And for the person that's never known you, God, I pray you show them exactly who you are today. In Jesus' name. And everybody set. Everybody set. Somebody give Jesus a shout of praise in this place today. Amen. So, so, what was that? Lost all the bass in my voice for one second there. Last week, uh, Pastor Joanne preached a phenomenal word. Who was here for Pastor Joanne's message? High priority. I love that. Babe, you are a phenomenal preacher and a communicator, and I love that even in the toughest moment of your life, you are standing flat-footed and firm. You are courageous. You are bold. You are my hero, and I love you. On period. No comma exclamation point. I love you. You're an amazing woman. Can you give it up for your pastor? She she preached a message about high priority. And she stood up here with everything going on in life and was like, you know what? There's a lot of things I could stress out about, but God is always my highest priority. 
I'm going to do what God has called me to do, even in the midst of adversity. That is a message for somebody in this place today. Sometimes the adversity hits you and you want to shut down. Adversity is the place where you can show what God you serve. First service ain't get that. I feel like preaching this service. Ah, so... She started us in the book of Haggai chapter 1. And just historically, let me give you some context because I hate to give scripture without context. Haggai was one of the 12 minor prophets. Nine of those minor prophets, they prophesied before the fall of Judah, before the Babylonians came in and they kicked the people of Judah, the Israelites, out of their homeland. They took some of them captive and enslaved them. And, and we read stories about some of those people like Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But what happened is the Babylonians had them exiled because of their own disobedience. For 70 plus years, they were not allowed to go back to their own homeland. The Persians come along and they defeat the Babylonians. And then the king of Persia allows the Israelites to go back to their home. Praise God. And this happens in around 536 B.C. Now, when this happens, the people of God are excited, but... Their homeland is in ruins. Their homes are destroyed. Their temple, their church is destroyed. The walls are completely destroyed. And the temple that they had initially was the temple that Solomon built with the resources that his father, King David, had given to him. He got all the people extra fired up and say, hey, I'm about to pass on. I need y'all to give everything you can to my son. And I'm going to give everything I got to my son so he could build a temple for the presence of the Lord. And the church said... So not only does David give his resources, Solomon prays to God and is like, God, I need wisdom. And God says, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you resources too. Solomon was one of the richest people to ever live. And he takes his funds and he puts it towards the temple to build a place for God to dwell. Once again, the Babylonians finally come in. They've ransacked, destroyed the temple. They take all the riches. They take everything out of the temple. So the temple's obliterated. So now the people of God come back home. The temple that they love so much is now gone. And when they come home, they settle in for about two years. And then in 534 uh, B.C., they say, you know what? It's time for us to rebuild God's temple. And this is what Pastor Joanne preached on last week. And they start rebuilding the temple and they lay the foundation. But something happened along the way. You ever like start a project, you all excited about it when you start, but like some stuff starts to happen, things start to get in your way, you start to get interrupted, some other things come up, and the project that you were excited to start, like you've left that project by the wayside? I'm in the home renovations. How many of y'all got some renovation projects that's still on the honey-do list? They got left by the wayside, right? Because when you start it, you're excited about it, but things happen and you stop. Here's the thing, though. They started this project two years after they came out of exile. They got excited. They built the foundation. They praised God. Then, some th then life started lifing. Things started happening, and they left the church without completion and they left it like that for 14 years 14 years all they they had the land they built the foundation and they did nothing else right so now the prophet Haggai comes in he's like um hey y'all remember when we like got out of exile and we was like excited and we started building God's house what y'all been doing for the last 14 years and he calls them out in chapter one. He's like, man, you've built up your paneled houses. That was a nice way for him to say, man, your houses are fancy. And notice I said houses. It's even believed by theologians. Most of them had multiple houses, multiple properties that they were investing in. They were building, but they left God's house with a mere foundation. And Haggai pretty much comes in. In Haggai chapter 1, verse 5, and he says, now this is what the Lord Almighty said. Give careful thought to all your ways. Y'all have abandoned God's project now for 14 years. I really need y'all to think about what you're doing. I really need to, 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 to focus on the right priorities because for the last 14 years, you've prioritized yourself over God. That's what Haggai is literally telling them. And in 
in the Hebrew, if you take that, that thought, give careful thought to your ways, it's a figure of speech. And Pastor Joanne preached so eloquently on this that literally means put your heart on the roads. Put, the, put your heart on your roads. What is it saying? Your life has many different pathways that it could go down. Which one of those paths is your heart connected to? Are you going to put your heart on the road that satisfies you? Or are you going to put your heart on the road that satisfies God? Haggai is asking, what way is your life headed? Do you want to continue that way? Because I could promise you, a life that does not prioritize God is a life headed in the wrong direction. This is what Haggai is trying to get them to understand. He's like, hey, where is God on your priority list? It seems like y'all priorities messed up because for the last 14 years, you've been solely thinking about you and you did not think about the God that delivered you from the bondage of the Babylonians. Is he high priority? Or does he find himself stuck behind the other things that we put in front of him? Sometimes we don't prioritize God because we prioritize the God of FPNL. Sometimes we don't prioritize God because we prioritize the God of Gucci. Sometimes we don't prioritize God because we prioritize the God of our car note. There's so many different things that God gets put to the back burner for because we've made them a priority with our bad stewardship. God's like, hey, give careful thought to all your ways. Ultimately, what Haggai is really trying to let them know is, I mean, y'all got a decision to make. What road is your heart going to go down? What road are you going to choose today? Because ultimately, we got to make the decision. And in this heart for the house season, I want to ask you, what road will you walk down? Will you go down greedy road or will you go down glory road? You got a decision to make. I got a decision to make. We all have this decision to make. Here's the thing about Greedy Road. Greedy Road doesn't feed you. It fools you into believing that a closed fist can hold more than an open hand. It's a dangerous road to go down. And now I'm standing here like the prophet Haggai 2,542 years later in an October because Haggai gave them this same message in an October. There is no coincidence. He did this around the time of atonement, around the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And now I'm here over 2,000 years later giving you a message about generosity in October the same way Haggai did about building God's house. We are now faced with the exact same decision, family. What are we going to focus on? We're going to put our focus on us or we're going to put it back on God where it belongs? Will we choose ourselves or will we trust God for his glory to resonate in our lives? What is glory? Since we're talking about greater glory, glory in the Hebrew is kabod, kabod, and it means honor. It means abundance. It means riches. It means reverence. It means dignity. It means reputation. It means splendor. How many of y'all need more honor in your life? How many need more abundance in your life? What's abundance? More than what you need to do what you are called to do. How many of you need more riches in your life? Okay, fine. The ones that don't want it, I'm going to take it for myself. (laughs) How many of you need more reverence in your life? How many of you need more dignity in your life? How many of you need more, a better reputation in your life? And how many of you need more splendor in your life? I don't know about you, I want as much glory in my life as I could get. Amen? So today, we're not just making a pledge for the heart for the house, we're making a, pre- a pledge for greater glory. I need more glory in my life. And there's a few things that you got to remember if you make the decision to live for greater glory. And the first is this. Never let comparison kill the glory. Man, this this could help some folks here. Look at Haggai chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. It says, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and 
to the remnant of the people. There's three specific people there that he spoke to and asked them, who of you is left who saw the house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Let's, let's pause before, he, before we get to the question. Who did he call out? He called out Zerubbabel, the governor. He called out Joshua, the priest. And then he calls out this group called the remnant. I like to call them the OGs. These are the people who had seen the previous temple, Solomon's temple, because they were old enough to see the temple go through everything in Babylon and come out on the other side. These would have been the stakeholders. These would have been the community leaders. These were, would have been the people that, that have invested so much into God's people. I love this because... Uh, 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 Haggai is taking a moment to call out the leaders of the community. He's like, hey, these young folk might not get it. These new folk may not get it. But there's some people that have an attachment to God's house that saw what God's house looked like before. You are active leaders in the community. This is a call for you. I'm asking you to check your heart. Once again, if this is your first time here, if, you just, if you're not really connected to this community like that, man, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for being here. But this is a call for people that are stakeholders in this house. Yeah. This, this, this is something that we do each and every year. And man, this is really a leadership call. It's not for everybody. Now, if you give over and above your tithe, let me tell you something. That blessing is for everybody. There's a 30, 60, 100 fold return if you give beyond the obedience of your tithe. If you give sacrificially, God says, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. I'm going to pour out 30% more. I'm going to pour out 60% more. I'm going to pour out 100% more. How many of you need more to be poured out on you? Your generosity is the key to that, right? So if you partake in this and this is not your home, you still get blessed, not based upon what I say, but based upon what the Bible already said. So if you like blessings, this might be something for you too. But once again, this is a challenge from myself and Pastor Joanne directly to you based upon God's word. If you are a stakeholder in this house, I'm talking to you today. Do you want to build God's house or not? And this is what Haggai is calling out. You see, anyone here, and I know it's some A1 day ones from here, but like, are, are, is there anybody here that was that just happened to be around like the first day of Cool Church? Anybody in this room? Yeah, I see a couple. Yeah, I see some folks. I love that. Thank you for your. I appreciate you guys so much. We've we've been going now for almost five years. You know, on January twenty seventh, two thousand and twenty four, it will be five years of Cool Church. Every church metric on the planet says once a church makes it to five years, they have staying power. They will more than likely be there till Jesus comes back. So if a church makes it to year five, it's like an exciting thing because it's like, hey, y'all, we ain't going anywhere. Amen. So we about to make it there. We about to make it to that milestone. But I, I, I remember like the first the first day, the first gathering that we ever had was not in a building. It was actually at Vizcaya Park. It was at a park. We had a barbecue. It was like, hey, man, we doing this church. If you, you think you're interested, come and show up. And there's people. It's funny. I, I saw my guy, Greg, uh, after church today. Greg is, a, is an amazing man. His entire family comes to church. And when he heard me preach this message, he pulled up a picture on his phone. And it was a picture of me, him, and his children taking a photo at Vizcaya Park on the first day. And he has been here ever since. And I was, I was encouraged, man. Because sometimes you're in this fight so long, you wonder like, man, are people still with us? Are people still here? And I love that because he was an A1 day one. And I love, like, I love that we had that moment because we, we got to remember and reflect on the past for a minute, man. Like, it's like, yo, you remember when we did that? And you remember when we had a, a, a church in a, in a hotel ballroom? And you remember when we had a church in, 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 in a gym and there was a boxing ring in the middle of the doggone gym and we was in there trying to figure out how to have church? Do you remember when we were in uh, another gym at New Renaissance Middle? Do you remember when we were in the cultural center? And we began to talk and really think about all those old times. And I was remembering all the great things that God has done. And can we reflect a little bit today? Because I need you to understand that a lot has been accomplished in the last almost five years of this house. Did you know that 263 children have been dedicated to the Lord on a cool church stage? 
263? That's a lot of babies. That we said we was going to raise you up in the way that you should go so when you're old, you will not depart from it. I'm so thankful for that, man. 38 of them happened this year. Do you know that 397 people have been baptized? Here's the even better part. 141 of them were this year. Alone. And we got 50 people signed up for baptism next week. You're a part of a growing, beautiful house. And I want you to remember these things that I'm talking about because they should encourage you to move forward. You know, 144 people have graduated our discipleship class that we only started last year. Y'all, listen to this. 45 of them have already graduated this year. The year ain't even over yet. What is God going to do by the time we get to 2024? But here's the greatest number of all. Y'all, since we have started, 2,888 people, almost 3,000 people have gotten saved. Documented salvations. Almost 3,000 people. Here's the best part about that number. 683 of them have happened this year and the year ain't done. Y'all way too quiet for people meeting Jesus. They shouting in heaven right now because they know that this is a life-giving house where people are saved and changed by the power of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but if you don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. Ain't no rock gonna take my place. I'm gonna celebrate Jesus and celebrate the fact that he is a redeeming God that saves and changes us from the inside out. If you believe it, say amen. Our God saves, he's still saving people today. My core fundamental belief in life is anybody could change. If my, listen, if my 75-year-old father could change at the latter part of his life, anybody could change. Anybody, listen, your family member that is farthest off, your co-worker that is farthest off, stop giving up on people, man. The Bible says don't get weary in doing good, and you will receive a harvest if you do not give up. Listen, some of y'all are tired of praying the same prayers, but how many of you know persistent prayers are the prayers that prevail? Keep praying, man. Keep believing. God's still saving people today, amen? Now, I reflect on the past to remember how far God has brought us. Amen? But I never compare because comparison puts God in the box. I reflect. I don't compare. Because here's the reality. You will never be grateful for the new thing that God is doing if you are looking for the new thing to be like the old thing. I don't know what this little Harlem shake is I'm doing right now. But that glory got me going. I feel like when somebody said glory, they was thinking about a person. <laughs> oh, man. Trying to make the new thing like the old thing. So you're comparing the two. Comparison is very, very dangerous. Here's the thing. We talked about the past and it's not, didn't we? And what did it make us do? We got excited, right? Because reflection leads to realization while comparison leads to complaining. When I reflect on all that God has done, I realize how good God has been. When I compare the past, though, to where I am now, if I'm not where I want to be, you know what I do? I complain. I remember them good. That's why people talk about the good old days. Because they're comparing where they are now to where they have been. And if you don't like where you are now, you'll never be excited about the present or the future. All you'll keep trying to do is go back to your past. I reflect. Because reflection leads to realization while comparison leads to complaining. And there's two ways comparison can kill God's glory. The first is never compare with others. Never. Do not do it. I see so many. We live in a comparison culture. How do I know? Social media. We live in it. Because this, this is what you have to imagine. Now imagine the people of Haggai's day. 
And I'm talking about the remnant, because remember, he called out the governor, he called out the priest, but he called out the remnant, the OGs that had seen what the old uh, temple that Solomon made look like. I told you how glorious this temple was. It was massive. It was majestic. It was amazing because they poured so much resource into it. So I can imagine the people that had seen that temple before it got torn down, all they saw now in the present day that they were living was the foundation of the new temple. And they're like, man, this ain't nothing compared to the temple that had already been here. And Haggai's trying to warn him, please don't compare what you had to what you have right now. Please do not do that. Y'all see the foundation, but you have no idea what's actually here right now. You trying to put it up against something that was instead of what will be. It's like, you're playing a dangerous game of comparison. And I, like, I, I realize why they stopped building for 14 years. Because when they thought about what they had with Solomon's temple, and they saw the work they still had in front of them, they was probably like, man, we've seen Solomon's temple. We'll never build anything like that. So what's the point of us continuing to build? Sometimes when a project gets too big, we just stop building when we feel how immense the project actually is, especially when we're comparing it to what we know we've already had in the past. So these people stop building. Why? Because comparison stopped them from being productive. People compare all the time, don't they, though? They compare how much they make. You're like, there's a status thing. When you, oh, I need a six-figure dude. Sit down. <laughs> Sit down. Like, we, we, comp we compare him based upon a dollar amount. A dollar amount can, could never equate to the value of a human. Never. Let's stop, let's stop comparing the size of bank accounts. That ain't blessing or helping anybody, right? People compare houses. Oh, I got this, I got three bedrooms, I got three bathrooms, I got five. Stop that. They compare cars. They compare clothes. They compare who they date. They compare who they marry. Oh, y'all silent? I wish you would act more like Brenda, husband. At least he know how to wash the dishes and take out the trash. <laughs> hey, you, you should be quiet. Because you know, you, 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 you literally got the nerve to compare your husband or your wife with somebody else's? Like, that, that is, that's one of the most toxic, demoralizing things you can do in a relationship. But it goes further than that, because people don't just do it in, in dating and marriage relationships, they do it with their kids. I, I wish you would get yourself together like Brenda, son. I'm, why am I coming at Brenda? Brenda ain't do nothing to nobody. I wish you would get yourself together like Brenda, son. He got scholarships and stuff. You, you, don't even, you can't even make seed. What's wrong with you? We've done this to our kids. And the reality is, you know why we do it to our kids? Because our parents did it to us. They compared you with the Joneses. They compared you with, why, why? <laughs> Some people gonna laugh in this room when I say this. Why you ain't married yet? Where your babies at? I need some grand. It's like, yo, stop comparing. Like, that ain't, my, that ain't my journey. That ain't my mission. That ain't my call right now, mom and dad. And a lot of us are living out of life based upon a comparison our parents made about us with somebody else's child. And it is trauma that you have been trying to navigate because you felt like you never lived up to who your parents wanted you to be because they wanted you to be like somebody else's kid instead of theirs. So many of us never get past that trauma because of comparison. But people compare businesses. They compare accolades. They compare accomplishments. Once again, you sit on the gram long enough, all you're going to see is a bunch of fake people trying to flex. Right? But here's the one that annoys me the most. People compare churches. The crazier part is when you do it to me. When you got the nerve to walk up to me and say stuff like, Pastor, I love this church. This church great. It's so much better than my last church. They was did. I was church hurt. This, 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 this. I'm like, listen, man. Hey, hey. Here's what you're never gonna get me to do. You ready for it? You're never gonna get me to talk bad about somebody else's church. You're never gonna get me to do it. You might not even intend. And I'm just helping somebody because you might not even intentionally be realizing what you're doing. 
You will never get me to speak foul about another man or woman of God or what God is building in another place. Just because they ain't your cup of tea don't mean you have the right to compare them with what we're doing. We over here staying in our own lane doing what we got to do. And if you've been around me long enough or if I've ever gotten to meet you and you're trying to figure out if this is your house, I will say, fam, when you are here, you are always family. And whether this is the church for you or not, I pray that we can help you on the journey to find the place that God wants you. But what you will not do is compare what is happening here with another place. I never got into this call for comparison. I need somebody to hear me. This church was a calling on me and my wife's life. And I want you to hear what I'm about to say clear. Our calling is not a competition. Don't put me up against nobody. I ain't here to compete with celebrity pastors. I ain't here to compete with the pastor down the street. I ain't here to compare with the biggest church. I ain't here to compare with the loudest church. I ain't here to compare with the best multi-site, multi-campus church. I am here to be the church that loves people better than anybody. And I'm not worried about what another church is doing because my calling is not a competition. Thank you. My calling in a competition and neither is yours. Stop comparing what God called you to do with what somebody else is called to do. We are all beautiful, unique expressions, creative expressions of a creator God made differently on purpose so that we can reveal something about who God is to this world that they cannot see from another human. So why are you comparing what God called you to show the world with what somebody else is called to show the world about God instead of being the beautiful, unique expression of God that you are? You were born in original. Please don't die a copy. Please. Be who God has called you to be because your calling was never meant to be a competition. Mm -mm -mm. I, I love this because here, here, here's, here's the other thing. Like people compare with, with, with others, but you know what they also compare with? The past. We reflect on the past and we celebrate it like we just did. But don't, what I don't do is compare with the past because we serve the God that always wants to do a new thing. Like, he wants to still do new stuff in the earth. Y'all know that, right? That's why Jesus said things like, you're going to do greater things than me. Did he say we'll do the same things as him? No, he said greater. Greater is different than the same, isn't it? He wants to do greater things than even he did, and he wants to use us to do it. So here's another thing that I just help you out if you want to have a conversation with me. Don't come to me with, well, at my old church, we used to. Or, Pastor T, remember when we used to do it like this at Cool Church? If there is something that we used to do at this church that we do not do at this church now, there's a reason. Because what all great leaders do, and I know you do this too, when there's something that is not going the way that you want, you make adjustments as a leader. Because what you can't do is complain about something that you were willing to tolerate. When stuff frustrates me about how we're growing and how we're moving as a church because we are called to be the chief cultural architects, there are shifts that I have made and adjustments that have been made in culture over time. So maybe there's something that you really liked in the past, but I'm praying that you are trusting Pastor Joanne and I enough as your leaders to see pitfalls before you ever have to see them because here is the burden of leadership. Leaders live in the future while everybody else lives in the the past or present. I can't live in the past because I don't want the past to come in the future and I can't even stay in the present because if I'm not in the future, I can't lead you there. Yeah. I promise you, we're not going to keep doing things the same old way because our God is doing a new thing. It's not that I don't care about the past. I reflect on the past. I celebrate, but I get excited with the new downloads God wants to give me. I don't want to just keep doing the same old thing. Here's the thing. I love the good old days, but I want some great new days too. I want great new days. And hear me when I tell you this, 
If you live in that past long enough and you compare that past long enough, it's going to end up derailing your destiny. Hear me when I say, never let your memory become your enemy. Some of y'all so stuck in the past, it has literally prevented you from living in the present and going into the future. You so stuck on comparing what happened there. So now anything that you see right now in the future that don't measure up to what you had is not good enough for you. Because you've allowed your memory to become your enemy. Mm. So can we all just do one thing as a congregation? Can we agree to celebrate what God is doing with us right now and not compare it to the past or compare it to our other brothers and sisters in Christ. Can we do that? Amen. Second point, I love this. I'm going to give you some vision right here. Glory requires strength and work. It requires strength and work. Listen to this. Haggai 2, uh, 4, it says, but, um, but now be strong. He's like, hey, stop comparing, but now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. He addressed the same three sets of people again. He says, not only be strong, though, he says, and work. Be strong and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord God Almighty. Y'all, now more than ever, we need more strength to do what God is calling us to do so that his glory can remain on this house. We need glory on this house, y'all. And God never called us to easy. He always calls us to impossible. But I love that God calls us to impossible because he just wants to know that we are strong enough to have the faith to continue to trust him and do the work that he has called us to do. So what has God called us to do in this season? I'm going to tell you in a second, but before I tell you that, let me tell you what he's called us to in the past. Let me tell you what he did last year for Heart for the House. You ready for it? This, you should clap here because you did this. Last year, on these pledge cards, we pledged $210,000 over and above our tithe and offering. We pledged that. But here's what you should shout. People gave $205,000. Like, they ain't just... They ain't just write it. It was like, oh, that's nice. I love it because when cool church say they're going to do something, they do it. When you say you're going to do something, you do it. I promise you, and if our CFO Patrick Chandler was here, he was like, this doesn't make any sense because I've seen a lot of churches pledge stuff and they don't even come close to what they pledged. Why are you do it, though? Because you're folks of integrity. And you know when I do something, I'm going to say what I do. But I believe that you keep doing something because you believe that this is fertile soil. You believe it's, this is fertile ground. You know that when you give to this house, you see the things that God is doing. Amen? So last year, 205000 over and above, our tithe and offering. This year, God's called us to impossible. He's called us to more. Why is he calling you that? Because he calls you to things that you need his help for. Amen? Did 200 last year? We're going to do 300,000 this year in the name of Jesus. I believe it. 300,000 over and above our tithe and offering. Why? To strengthen the house of God. What we're not going to do is sit back and say it's too big and leave the house with a foundation without any structure. We're going to build this house. And here's the truth. If I could be honest, 300,000 is only a seed to do what we actually need to do. Why do I say that? Y'all, Y'all know that we're merging with another church, right? We're merging with the Fountain Church. And this is a beautiful thing because they've been going strong in ministry for 25 years. And because they've been going so long, there are some resources that they have had that we did not have, but now we will have because we have come together as one house called Cool Church in the name of Jesus. So with that being said, we've been renting this facility out, you know, for the last couple years. They already have a building. Here's, here's why coming together in God's kingdom is better than staying separately. Because now by the fountain becoming cool church, guess what we now have that we never ever had before. We have a 30,000 square foot building sitting on three acres in Miami Gardens. We didn't have that before. But we believe for some of y'all was here when I passed out a, a building plans for Heart for the House for a 16,000 square foot building and we ain't had no building. God said, okay, fast forward two years, now I'm going to give you a building double that size. 
Why does God give it to us? Because we got vision for it. We got even before I have it, I see it in Jesus' name. Right? But here's here's the thing: when you own something, guess what it comes with? Maintenance. It's good to have some. How many of y'all got a home out there? How many of you got fixed stuff on your house? Because this is what happens. There's the beauty of ownership. The beauty of ownership is stewardship. You got to maintain it, right? So there's three parts of this building mission that I'm going to give you. We're going to build multi-site. We're going to build missions. We're going to build ministry. Everybody say multi-site. Say missions. Say ministry. This 300,000, we're going to stretch it as much as we can, but I know it's only a seed because the things I'm going to say on here cost way more than 300,000. I just believe 300,000 is a seed, is the floor that God has put in my heart, but I believe we can do even better in Jesus' name. Amen? I believe it. I got the faith for it. Multi-site. We're going to create three campuses. I didn't say two. I said three campuses. Our Miramar High campus. That's this campus that we're on right now. How many of y'all representing Miramar High? Make some noise. Come on, somebody. We're also going to do our Fountain Campus, which is our Miami Gardens campus, because we'll always be the miracle in Miramar. We ain't leaving Miramar. I don't care how many buildings pop up. Miramar is always going to be home. We're expanding the mission. We're not consolidating the mission. We're expanding the mission. Amen? And we're also going to have a third campus, which is our virtual campus. So often, our virtual stream has been uh, treated more like a virtual overflow, but they're actually, once again, people watching in 47 different nations all over the world. There are people that have never been in this building that serve on a virtual team as a virtual host. There are people that have never been in this room that give religiously. Some of our top givers in the church have never even walked in this building. So we're going we're, we're going to pastor them better. We're going to steward who God has blessed us with well. So we're not treating the online like an overflow. We're treating it like living stones because every life that is attached to this kingdom matters in the name of Jesus. Amen? So multi-site, three campuses, no matter what campus you go through, it's going to feel the same across the board. That means if I show up in Miramar, it's going to feel like cool church. If I show up in Miami Gardens, it's going to feel like cool church. If I'm online, I'm going to still feel that love just like it's cool church. And the church said, so how do you do that? One, consistent branding and signage throughout uh, all physical locations. Do you know there are people, there are saints that are attached to this house and the only reason that they were here, they were literally looking for a sign one day. They drove by and saw a cool church flag and was like, ooh, that looks like a nice church. I'm going to go there. They saw a what? Signage matters, y'all. Because if people don't know where we at, how they going to find us? So we're going to make sure it's consistently beautiful with signage across both campuses. We're going to do exterior updates to that Miami Gardens campus. Guess what? It's a beautiful building, but there's some roof issues that we got to fix. There's some AC issues that we got to fix. We're going to completely gut that sanctuary that they have there right now, and it's going to look and feel like the coolest thing of all time because if it's cool church, then it can't be lame. It must be cool. It must be dope. It must feel like us. We're going to expand those lobbies for spaces to build community because though we get the word in here, though we get encouraged and worship in here, real community does not happen in this room. It happens when we get outside this room, when we hug each other, when we love each other, when we connect with each other. We are also going to fix the parking lot because how many of you know you can have a beautiful church but if your parking lot don't make sense then people won't come back because they don't want to sit in the parking lot for 10 hours trying to get in and out your church and the church said we're going to do any general maintenance we need to do to all the buildings that we have why because you know how it is once you open up walls if you've renovated anything you know it's always more issues behind those walls and the church said we're going to do landscaping across campuses. We've been doing landscaping and stuff here. Why? We always try to beautify the church because we don't want this thing to just work for us on Sunday. We want when these kids come here, when these teachers come here, they feel encouraged that they have a beautiful place that they can learn in. And the church said, we're going to do tech updates because you see these lights flashing like they got a demon in them. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. We're going to do some tech updates. Listen, we try to do the best that we can, but how many of you know we got to stay up to date with our tech in Jesus' name? See, devil, you thought you was messing me up all you did was throw me an alley-oop to let the people know that we actually need to do some tech updates in God's house in Jesus' name. And we're also going to update our streaming. We're also going to update all that equipment as far as cameras, man. We, hey, you're going to see this beautiful face in HD each and every Sunday. 
Sunday. We're going to do some updates there. We're going to update our cool kids and our cool youth so that it looks like flipping Disney World so your kids will beg you to come to church and not want to leave in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. That's multi-site, but we also doing missions. It's another area that we're going to build, another brick we're going to build with. The, the Fountain Church has been supporting a food pantry locally in, uh, in Miami Gardens called the Pisca Food Pantry. I've been there before. I've driven up on a Wednesday. There's 30 volunteers serving every, uh, every other Wednesday. And when you go there, if you don't get there early, because there's cars that are, are, are lined up from, from, from dawn. If you don't get there early, there's hundreds of cars in a line. Hundreds of cars in a line. And they're giving away thousands of, not bags, boxes of free groceries. If you need some free groceries, you need to go to the Pisca Food Pantry. Thousands. So much so they have to have a police presence there because it's, it's, it's crazy. The fountain's been doing that for, for decades now. And guess what? Now that the fountain is becoming cool church, we're going to throw some gasoline on the fire. They do a lot now. Guess what? They're going to do some more when we get involved in the church set. We're going to support that. Here's the beautiful thing about merging. It's not that they are just, we're just coming in and, and, they're, and they're becoming cool church. There's some great things that they were already doing that now we get to be a part of too. Amen. Pisca Food Pantry, we're going to support that. We're going to continue to expand our community partnerships. Y'all, we got more community partnerships than you know about. We partner with Publix. We partner with the Miami Dolphins. We partner with the Fire Department. We partner with the Police Department. There's so many different partnerships that we have, and we will continue. This last survey, we had 300 people serving. We had like 20 different projects going on at once. We partnered with seven other churches, because how many of you know we don't do this on our own? We ain't trying to compare with one another. We want to work together to see God do what he has to do, and we're going to expand on our community partnerships. Partnerships. We're still going to create the cool hubs. We have a spot here at this school, and we have somebody to coordinate that with, and we also have a spot at New Renaissance. What's a cool hub? It's literally like a food pantry or a pantry in the school. So if a kid needs shoes, if a kid needs clothes, if their parents need some groceries, because there's so many kids, people don't even realize this, and I found out just by working alongside schools for long enough, there's kids that go home and they live in their cars. Their parents need help. What if they could come to school and get the stuff that they needed because their parents couldn't afford it? And what if the church was responsible? That's how we change communities, y'all. That's how we build strong families to build strong futures. We're not giving up on that, on that dream of cool hubs. We're also going to invest in the fountain for years, for decades, has been giving scholarships to young men and women and sending them to college. Guess what? Now the fountain scholarship becomes a fountain scholarship at Cool Church, and we will now send men and women to college, kids that need it, man, that can't afford it. We're going to add to it and make it even bigger and better than it's ever been. But here's, ooh, this last missions part I'm so proud of and I'm so excited about. We're going to partner with an organization called the Plant International Ministries. I've known the leader of the Plant International Ministries, he and his wife for the last 25 years, Pastor Wayne Deary. They build churches in Africa from the ground up. They've built 150 churches already. They can build a church in 10 days. They literally build a church every 10 days. Cool Church is going to build a church in Kenya for the Maasai people. Because I told you, this ain't just a cool church. We gonna build so many churches it becomes a cool world. And people that had to worship under a tree will now have a safe space to worship in and know that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm sitting here telling you, when we give the funds on the 12th of November, the church will already be built by December. And you will see the video. You will see the images of a live, active, beautiful church that you were responsible for building. And the church said, we're going to expand our ministry footprint as well. We're going to fortify all ministry efforts through resourcing and staffing at Cool Church. Y'all, right now, this church is anywhere from 1,800 to 2,000 people, and we're running on about 9 to 10 staff. That is a lean organization. Why do we do that? Because we want to steward your finance as well. But how many know to grow? We need more help. We need a lot more help. Because we ain't just come here to be up in Miramar High forever. We came here to build a cool world. Amen? So we're going to hire to help 
with the, the, with the ministry efforts, we're going to hire a campus pastor for Miramar High, a campus pastor for Miami Gardens, and a campus pastor for online. Yes, online will have their own pastor too. I know some of y'all looking at me funny like, what does that mean? You and Pastor Joanne ain't going to be our pastors no more? No. You're going to see me and Pastor Joanne each and every week. I'm going to preach three services at two different locations. Well, three, because one's online as well. You're going to see us physically. We, you're not going to have to watch us on camera unless you're online. You're going to physically see us at those locations, but it is impossible for you to expect me and her to physically pastor 2,000 people. So we're getting other ministers because up until now, the only two pastors at Cool Church have been me and her. But guess what? We are called to develop more leaders and grow other pastors. So when you come to a campus, you have a pastor that you can connect with. If you can't connect with me and her, you're going to have a, your very own pastor on that campus. And the church said... We're also going to have a next-gen director. What is next-gen? That is our kids, and that is our youth. Did you know that we see 150 to 200 individuals under the age of 18 each and every Sunday physically at this church? Did you know that all of those youth are being managed by servant leaders? We have never had a person in a higher position for our youth and our kids. So that should make you do two things. One, can you clap for the servant leaders that have been taking care of all of these doggone kids each and every Sunday? But can we also get excited because we believe that God is going to resource us to have the right person whose full-time job it is to wonder and worry and be concerned and educate our youth and our children. We've never had that before. So somebody's always going to be thinking about that. We're not just doing it for next gen. We're doing it for next steps. What's next steps? It's when you get baptized. It's when you join a team. It's when you get into a connect group. What is next steps? It's the discipleship portion. You're going to come in here on Sunday and get saved, but what are your next steps after that? Did you get baptized? Did you get connected to a group? Are you serving? Are you building and helping the community? Our next steps director, Yari, guess what? She's getting a little more resource to help her so that we can help you grow in your faith. Salvation is not the end all. You got to grow in your faith. Amen. We're going to hire a community outreach coordinator because as I told you, we are connected with a lot of people in the community and the one human that we have here doing that is also our operations director and probably has about 10 other jobs and so he don't pull his hair out and look like me. We're making sure that we get him some assistance as we expand our community footprint. Amen. We're also going to hire a creative director. Why? Because we want to do the dopest creative stuff on the planet. You know that Pastor Joanne and I are creatives, but here's the reality. All the creative stuff, like the dope flyers or the, the dope printouts, all that stuff you see, even the fam tubes. Guess who makes that? The creative director does. Who's the creative director? Pastor Joanne. <laughs> Pastor Terrence. We have been assuming a lot of those jobs to steward the finance as well. But how many of you know, what would you rather us doing? Would you rather us casting vision, loving on people and caring people? Or would you rather us behind a computer making flyers? The first one. You would rather us casting vision for the future. So we're going to have somebody that comes alongside of, that can help run the creative vision of the church and help make sure that you are coming to the coolest thinking church on the planet each and every Sunday. Amen? We're going to do more programming and mentorship opportunities for our youth and our kids, man. We want to grow them. We don't just want them to come on a Sunday, man. We want to make sure that all week long they got stuff to do. And we are also doing more programming for our cool buddies. What is that? That is our children with special needs. We launched that program this year. And right now there is paid staff that is working with our cool buddies, children of special needs. But guess what? We're going to expand that. It's not just going to be children of special needs that's getting all these programs to the week. We're going to do stuff for their parents as well to help them and bless them because they're having such a hard time trying to navigate the things that that is on their child but we believe in Jesus name one first we believe for full healing for all those children and the, and the word said the, the church said but we are believing that we will help them to develop them right here in God's house what the world won't offer we will in God's house amen why we're doing all of this stuff because we believe that together we will build a stronger church community that will provide encouragement, accountability, and assistance all week long to everybody that calls this house home now until Jesus comes back. Listen, man. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this until the wheels fall off. And I did not just come here so we can have a pretty church service. I came to develop a community of believers. Why does the Bible say do not forsake the gathering of the saints? Why? Because there's encouragement in the body. Some of us think the only gathering the saints have is on Sunday. But if we're a community, we are connected Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we celebrate on Sunday all that God has done all throughout the week. We're building a community. This is not a small vision. 300,000 can't even begin to scratch the surface of this vision, but it is a seed that we will plant in fertile soil, believing that we're not just building something for now. We're building something that's going to bless our children and our children's children. And the world will know that God is real because of what we're doing right here in South Florida as we expand, as we grow, as we seed the vision. We will see lives change. We will see people transform and we will see families built in the name of Jesus. I'm confident we can do this. Why? Because he says, if you're strong and you work hard, here's the promise. I am with you, declares the Lord. Oh, God is with us. Haggai 2.4 says, this is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. What does that mean? Before they ever had a king to build a temple, the Israelites had to go through the wilderness. And before they went through the wilderness, they had to come out of Egypt. God was there at the beginning of their dream before they ever got there at the promised land. And what he is promising them there is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. At the beginning, he says, and my spirit remains among you. What he's saying, I was with you in the beginning, I'm still here right now. Do not fear. God was with us at the beginning in Vizcaya Park, and guess what? From the park, he went with us to, to New Renaissance, to the gym. From the gym, he went with us to the cultural center. From the cultural center, he's still with us right here. He was there in the beginning. He's here right now, and I am confident, no matter how crazy the vision looks, no matter how big the vision is, God is still here with us, and he will remain. If you believe it, say amen. amen. But lastly... Greater glory is in this house. Greater glory is in this house. Haggai 2, 6 to 9. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake up the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. That's an interesting piece of scripture because it's the only piece of scripture from Haggai that ends up in the New Testament, in Hebrews. And why is that? Because that piece of scripture is a prophecy about Jesus, the soon coming king. God is saying, I'm going to send the one that is desired by all nations and I'm going to shake everybody up. I'm going to send my son to shake up the world because he's who the world really needs. He's who the world wants. So we're getting an end time prophecy. There will be a time when, listen, I believe with all my heart, we're trying to do all this stuff, but Jesus is coming back. I'm doing this because Jesus is coming back. He's coming back to shake up this world once and for all because he's the one that the world truly desires. And I love this. Verse 7, I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And listen to this. I will fill this house with glory. I will fill this house with glory. So Jesus will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. He says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Listen, y'all might think that this sounds like a lot, but God says, you know all the silver and the gold is mine, right? It's like, you worried about something that I already own. I'm just trying to see who I can trust with it. Right? Verse 9, here's where we land. The glory of the Lord, the glory on this present house will be greater, somebody say greater, than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And in this place, I will declare peace, says the Lord Almighty. Why does that make sense? I'm going to tell you. The former house was the house of Solomon. The temple that Solomon built. The present house was just a mere foundation that they were believing to build. So how is the present house greater 
than the former house. I told you all of what it took to make Solomon's temple come true, but I love it because they did get inspired and they started to build beyond the foundation. Historically, we find out that the same temple that this remnant, this group of people that came out of exile built would ultimately be bigger and better than Solomon's temple. Why? Because they started building the temple, then King Herod, who lives in the time of Jesus, he attaches himself to this project, and he makes a temple that is so grandiose, it's bigger than anything Solomon ever did. It's, it's grander, more luxurious than anything that Solomon ever built. But do you know, just because something is big doesn't necessarily mean that that thing is great. The temple that they built, the present temple, was bigger than Solomon's house. It was greater than Solomon's house, but its size is not what made it great. See, there's a big difference between the temple Solomon built and the, the temple that these folks here built in Haggai's time. The biggest difference is Jesus was not walking the earth when Solomon's temple was built. So God's presence was there for the temple but when Jesus comes, God is in the flesh walking through this temple, this grandiose temple of Herod. Could you imagine Jesus? Could you imagine we're sitting here right now and Jesus was just walking down the aisles? Could you just imagine? Well, in the temple of Herod's day, Jesus would have went there to worship. We know that Jesus performs miracles in the temple as well as outside the temple. But the thing that I'm trying to get you to catch is that God in the flesh was inside of the actual building and he was not inside of the actual building that Solomon built. What does that tell me when the Bible says that the glory of the present house is greater than the glory of the former house? The glory is only greater in the present house because Jesus was there. Jesus is the glory. His glory was permeating among every seat, among every aisle. You could feel Jesus in the walls. You could hear his voice resound in the temple and his glory was there. But I love it because the Bible says that the glory of the present house is greater than the glory of the former house, declares the Lord Almighty. And I love this because the verse goes on to say, and in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Do you know why there was peace in the present house? Because the glory of the Lord, Jesus himself was there. So if Jesus is walking down the aisles, I love this because Jesus is not just glory. Jesus is the prince of peace. So when the glory descended on the house, when the glory of God that was Jesus was walking into place, he brought something to that temple that they never felt in Solomon's temple because when he dropped his glory on that place, his peace that passes all understanding was in that place. And I don't know about you, I need glory in this place because I'm going through some stuff right now that I need some peace. And wherever there is glory, there is peace. Wherever there there is Jesus, there is glory. And wherever there is glory, there is peace. You might be struggling today. You might not know which road you're going down. You might be uncertain. You might be unaware. You might be lost. You might be hurt. You might be broken. But when the glory of God is in the house, I don't care how you feel it, his peace that passes all understanding will descend upon you. So you don't got to worry about tomorrow. You can let tomorrow worry about itself because when the glory of the Lord is on this house his peace will permeate through this house now and forevermore if you believe it say amen I need a house with the glory of the Lord in it because that's where I find peace you ain't coming here for a word you came in here for peace that can only be given to you by Christ himself. For he is the prince of peace. See, I have peace in my mind when I invest in his glory. I have peace in my soul 
when I encounter his glory. I have peace in my heart when I live in his glory. And y'all, I don't want to live off the glory of yesterday. I want the greater glory of this house today. Today. I know what God's house was before, but I'm so excited about the greater glory that we're going to invest in today. See, when the people of God are strong and we have faith and we come together to build something, it's going to give peace to everybody that encounters it. Y'all, we're not just building to have a bigger church. We're building to bring peace to those that don't have it. Because we know we're building a place that's full of God's glory. And where there is glory, there is peace. So I ask you today, put your heart on the roads. Put your heart on the roads. What way is your life headed? Do you want to continue that way? Will you continue to go down the road of uncertainty? Or will you come together with God on the road to greater glory? Where the destination you'll always find peace. You'll always find peace. Because where there is glory, there is Jesus. And where there is Jesus, there is peace. With every head bowed, every eye closed today. Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.